Thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Business of Fun podcast. I'm your host, Dave Wakeman. Today's episode is brought to you by my good friends at Booking Protect, the global leaders in refund protection. Any listing, any sector, anywhere, Booking Protect has you covered with the world's most comprehensive refund protection product. To find out how you and your organization can partner with Booking Protect to deliver world-class customer service, a better buying experience for your customers, more peace of mind in their purchases, and maybe the most important thing is how you and your organization can create a new stream of revenue, visit them at www.bookingprotect.com. Once again, that's www.bookingprotect.com. I would also encourage you to bookmark the blog while you're there because there is some great content in the pipeline about to come out. There's right now, there's a way you can sign up and get an ebook about customer service, but we have a whole lot more coming. And you'll find all of that at bookingprotect.com. My guest today is Jacob Lawson from FC Copenhagen. How great is this? Um, Jacob is a friend of the podcast through another friend of the podcast, Martin Gameltoff from Activity Stream. Um, and Martin said, Oh, you have to talk to Jacob. It's going to be great. And it did not disappoint. Um, I'm going to share some numbers with you that Jacob talks about during the podcast that are phenomenal. I mean, these things are unbelievable. Um, he, so Jacob talks about a lot of the marketing and ticket sales thing, uh, opportunities they've created um, using digital media a more um, focused strategy um, create how fc copenhagen has made themselves into a media company as much as a football club um, it's all really great stuff but these numbers are unbelievable first off on investments that fc copenhagen has been making around ticket sales for every dollar they spend they have been returning ten dollars in ticket, new ticket sales. That's a 10 to 1 return on investment. That's fantastic. But that's not even the best thing. In putting dollars behind selling merchandise, they have been able to return $17 for each dollar they've invested. And I was just mind blown. Um, and we so we got into all of this stuff, right? It's um, We talked about the challenge of encouraging the FC Copenhagen's board to allow Jacob and his team to have an unlimited spend, Right? but that was tied to definite results and definite um, goals of the board and the organ and the business side of the team. Um, we talked about how he tests and gets trial and error in his efforts to market. We talked about product development and um, subscription-based programs, um, campaigns, um, you know, what the business model looks like. We talked about um, different streams of revenue, um, low-hanging fruit, how to build a campaign, how to target, how to um, drive attendance, how to um, manage media, um, you know, how winning didn't necessarily solve m many of Copenhagen's problems as far as attendance goes. Um, we talked about how they have become a media partner to some of their biggest partners like Carlsberg and Adidas um, and Hugo Boss, and it's like a really, really great conversation. Uh, this is like a really, um, a lot of like things I think that you can take action on. A lot of things that I think are going to be, um, maybe you knew them or you thought you had a grasp on them, but you weren't sure if you were actually doing the right things. Um, this conversation with Jacob 
uncovers a lot of those, I think it's going to be really, really valuable for people. Um, I'm excited for you to listen to this, and I really hope you'll let me know what you thought. Um, but without any more from me, here's my conversation with Jacob Lawson on The Business of I want to welcome Jacob Lawson from the FC Copenhagen to the Business of Fun podcast. Jacob, how's it going? Not too bad. Uh, sunny, sunny days in Copenhagen. Yeah, so, uh, it's beautiful uh, behind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so no, jealous. No, no, uh, we we have a we have a recently uh, recently uh, short summer span. So uh, so it's when when it's there, everybody's happy. So. Uh, and then FC Copenhagen just won the championship a few weeks back, so so we're starting to get past the hangover phase now. So back to work. Yeah, but whatever. You have as long of a hangover as you want. You win the championship, you deserve a few drinks. Or so. And uh, and Carlsberg is our main sponsor because it's a Danish beer, so uh, of course drink responsible. But uh... <laughs> hey, so you're gonna fit right in on this thing. <laughs> Hey, so uh, so you were introduced to me by a um, friend of the pod, fr- friend of mine, friend of yours, actually, Martin Gameltoff. So that was like really like something that, and then I realized you have a, like a, a great connection with Martin. So that's that'll make this even more fun. Um, but I want to start out because there's like so many interesting things that you're working on now that I, I don't even know if we'll be able to get to all of them. But I want to start out by talking about some of the work that you're doing um, around testing on the internet and selling tickets uh, digitally because you gave me a really great example when we were talking just before we started recording about how you use a process of testing, learning, and adjusting to drive ticket sales and um, season ticket buyers to your uh, to your tickets. And you, you use the example of Facebook um, and kind of like as we've been trading notes back and forth to have the podcast, you've talked a lot about campaigns and being really thoughtful in the way you target and test and adjust. Can you give me maybe just a little bit of overview about your kind of marketing philosophy uh, in general, and then maybe like take it down to where we're talking about some of the testing and learning and adjusting things that you're doing now? Yeah. Uh, you can say the philosophy is, uh, is to be honest, a lot of trial and error. So, uh, so I will give you some few good examples, but from every good example, there might be five bad, but we don't focus on, on those today. Uh, but, uh, but, but what we're trying to do is basically if we can, by using data, create relevance and, and use those segments, either it could be on it in any channel, could be a mail, could be, could be, uh, our own platforms. So, uh, or, or Facebook, but, but let's talk about Facebook. So what, what we're trying to do here in a test pay, uh, in a, in a, in, in the sales phase for our ticket, season ticket is that we have first had a look and, uh, who are the people in Denmark who looks like the current season ticket holders the most? So who are the run 1% Danish people on Facebook who looks most like the season ticket holders? And we, when we're doing a campaign to those finding similar twins on Facebook, we're actually seeing a return on, on, on plus 20 on ad spend, even though that those have never bought a ticket for the match. Uh, so, so we tested and saying, okay, this is good. So we're just trying to, to push to those guys. But what about the looks like 2%, 3%, 4%, and 5%? And now we can see that we, we are, we're expanding the segment quite a lot because now we're not just talking to a small niche, but we're talking to, to a 5% of the population. And even though the, those have not necessarily never bought a ticket, we can actually sell them season tickets because they have the same 
attribute as our most loyal fans. And it's it's quite interesting that you can actually find uh, relevant people for your product based on data. Yeah, no, that I mean, it is. It's really fascinating because the way that you, you talk about it is much different. It's like you don't start out with i guess you start out very very with as close as you can get to your current members right yeah and you don't necessarily try to to broaden it at the beginning you you have you've decided that early on it's best to really really narrowly define the data set that you're approaching um but and a lot of people try to go a lot broader to begin with how did you settle on that idea as being the most the best place to start uh, you could say, I'm not sure if it's the best way to start. Of course, the most low-hanging fruit is, is of course, your your previous uh, season ticket buyers. But but this is a, a more creative example. But 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 for this specific idea, it, it's more that we're doing a test phase. So we we went to the board and said, we, in theory, we need an, an unlimited spend on, on marketing as long as we're agreeing that the return is satisfaction. So we're in a test phase right now where we where we're doing hundreds of campaigns uh, and. And I'm monitorizing the, the return quite closely, and and looking at the, looking at the first six months of the test phase, we're seeing a return on ad spend ac- across different uh, channels, so Facebook, Google, etc. Uh, on 17 on on merchandise and, and and 10 on ticketing. And when you get these kind of returns, uh, every you can say responsible board will will then agreeing that. As long as you can get these numbers, you, you just need to be creative all the time. You need to find the next segment that is relevant. And and then we, we came up with an idea of, of trying to go niche. Uh, so so what, could, what could be a specific good idea to work with? That could be working with, the, with this cluster of people almost similar to our most hardcore group. And it was basically just that spur of a moment. It was a test case. And suddenly it just worked and then just expanding. We're doing various other other test cases uh some of them more successful than others uh example could be working with different kind of data sets on on social demographic what kind of what kind of uh, age group uh, income uh, distance on specific standards so so we're seeing a lot of a lot of you can say good results in these tests yeah well and the interesting thing to me is how you were able to go to the board and ask for an unlimited spend but you tied it to specific results. How difficult was it to make that sale to the board? You know, because this is the uh, first time you're th- going through something like this, right? It is. And and at the time, I, I, I'm relatively new to the club. So I've been in FC Copenhagen in, in 10 months now. So this was uh, the first time I, I met the board. So they didn't – I had a track record from previous job, but uh, but they didn't have necessarily any confidence in me. So, so we went there and saying – uh, let let us do a you can say a test phase. Uh, they were I'm not say skeptical, but they are they are not marketeers. Uh, they are like owners of the club and you can say and and people from the from the sporting side, so the soccer side or football side of things. So uh, as so to be honest, I, I I need to put a lot of my my credibility into this project, seeing if we can get the result. So. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if that's a good answer, but uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we, we managed to go to a test phase, and, and and right now this is what they're talking about. So this is like uh, I gave you the example. 
if you get a return on 17 on on merchandise, this is like going to the casino and split a number and win every time. So no one in the board will ask you to to play blackjack if you get a return on 17 for every dollar invested. Yeah, but what they probably should be doing is just like, well, let's give Jacob a, dollar, a raise so nobody steals him away. <laughs> um, so what? Do, so from your point of view, then, when you're testing these things, what? Um, how do you approach the test? Like, how quickly do you start to see results? You know, what are um, besides just money, right? Like that return on investment. What are some of the other things you're measuring to to define success in this test? And then how quick, and, and I guess too, I want to make sure I emphasize this, how quickly do you see the results? Because sometimes that's a challenge for people is that like they don't necessarily understand what the time frame of, of seeing results is going to be. Uh, yeah, the, the results depend a lot on the project. So of course, when, you, when you're working with, a, with a, a one match thing, then you need relatively few exposures for people to convert compared to when you're trying to sell a t-shirt or a jersey or a season ticket, then you need more. So, of course, the, the short term, you will see faster results. Uh, but the the way we uh, the way we are the way we are you can say going to it is uh, uh, sorry. Could could you get the first question again? The the first the first part of the question was you know how do you design your tests, and then you know and then you answered the second part, which is the how do you uh, measure these things, and then yeah. Yeah, so, so we designed the test by, by looking at, you can say, beside a ticket sale or merchandise sale, by looking at, an, uh, you can say, a, a secondary objective. So is this a campaign in order to, to find new clients? Is this a campaign to, in order to nudge people we know already? Do we look for like expanding to new target groups? So, so we have like a set of seven or eight different, you can say, uh, secondary objective compared, like besides uh, revenue. And then we, you can say that this campaign needs to find new customers in Copenhagen. What is a way to contact them or find them? That could be fine for uh, for look at, uh, for similar people on Facebook. Or if the campaign was to expand the basket size, then a campaign could be to to give a, a small discount or a beer or something to people already buying, saying, "Hey, we we need you to." Bring a friend to the match, do this. So, so we are, you can say we are, we are subtacking every every campaign with a secondary objective, and then we are basically working with that data afterwards. But, but on most campaign, we see the result quite fast. So, so we normally receive it with, within eight, 48 hours, and then we are deciding if we need to, if we need to uh, add more spend or or, or save the segment. We evaluate if we are seeing enough return, if we're seeing enough engagement, if we're seeing all these, you can say, different measure compared to what channel we're operating on. Right. Now, you said you said how much return to and like whether or not it makes sense to continue. And the examples you gave were 17% for merchandise and 10 for the tickets. What would be something, you know, I, obviously a negative return on investment would definitely be I'm pulling the plug on it. But like how much, how little would, you know, what kind of return would you say it's not worth it or we need to tweak it to make, you know, to decide you were going to make a change? Uh, it. It's also depending on what time of year, because if we are in a phase a year where there is a lot of, lot of, I'll say, easy money, it's never easy money. But if we are in a phase where we're just launching the new jersey or a season tickets, then I have higher expectation to the return on what I'm doing. So I'll give you an example from last December. We were playing a, a match in December, and December in Denmark means often snow. Yeah. So 
it's snowing outside. We're launching a Christmas campaign and we're selling uh, ugly Christmas sweater like like never before. The return on the Christmas sweater is 10. The return on the match is 5. I need to have my board. I need to have my data aligned in order to go to the management group and saying, I will focus on the ugly Christmas sweater and not the football match. Because in a sports organization, you will also end up in a discussion saying, but 200 extra people understand, could mean an extra point, could mean the championship. Eventually, we could be king of the world. Of course, we'll never be that. But but in that case, you need to have your data in order. Otherwise, you, you cannot you cannot uh, justify to sell ugly Christmas uh, FC Copenhagen sweaters compared to a match. And, and this is a good example because this is the worst time of year to play football, but the best time of year to do campaign because there's a lot of gifts. So in, in that phase of year, I would change quicker. Uh, I will change at a lower return on ad spend compared to this summer. Or the summer when we're doing season tickets and uh, European matches, mm-hmm. it needs to be a lot higher. Right. So, But but in, in order to add, answer the question, we, we don't focus on much if it has l- less than five times return. Which is still a pretty phenomenal return on investment. So, I mean, that, that shows show that tells me a lot about how focused you guys are because five on five and one return on investment is um i have people throwing money at me all day long for you know like for three or four and depending on the industry so five to one being like well that's just not good enough for our efforts that's pretty phenomenal and that's great and what i liked about the christmas sweater example versus the match um is a larger philosophy that i know you have which is that like you spend a lot of time focusing on your priorities and not on the matches and that's a challenge, especially here in the States, because a lot of times um, it can happen either by chance or it just sort of happens over time, is that teams get into the habit or get locked into a habit that they don't even want to be in about having to uh, work on things built around whether or not they're successful or not, whether or not they're winning on the field, whether or not they have a new uh, hot opponent or things like this, um, you know how does that work? You know, where you're working at managing according to campaigns. I, I know you just gave that one example, but if you give us like maybe a couple more about how you f- keep your priorities in line and then how you do know when to and measure selling a match as opposed to like just continuing to focus on your priorities. And if that didn't make sense, I can try to reframe it. <laughs> I, I will, I will try to answer it. So, but, but, but the first thing you, you're saying we in FC Copenhagen, we are a team who have actually seen over the last ten years a decline in a decline in attendance. Even though we won six out of ten championship, which talking to every single sports asset in the world, saying if we just win in the championship, then the people will come. But but for us, that haven't been the case. We've we've seen now an incredible growth in this season, uh, and and we are hopefully back on track. Uh, and and as I just mentioned to you, roughly a forty percent increase on ticket with a value on compared to last time we won the championship. But it is also going to FC Copenhagen is a, is a quite progressed organization, but, but talking with a lot of different sports assets, you, you, you get the, you get sometimes the feeling that, that you're, you're working uh, as a, as a carpenter with, a, with only two tools in, in your box. And one of them is, is winning matches and the other one is free tickets. But, but the, the <laughs> world is, is, is so much more complex. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> you, you, but, but, I'm a fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you, you, 
Yeah, you'll never you'll never be successful marketing if you, if you think because why are you hired in marketing if you believe in that? Yes. And I actually see a lot of very qualified marketeers fall into that position. And and it's just I don't know why, but uh, yeah. Anyway, so a lot of it is, is is strategy as well. So so how are we how are we trying to to work at the longer term? How are we defining wh- how a year will be in FC Copenhagen? Where where do we need to earn the money? Where do we need to grow? Where do we need to do it? And what will be the sacrifice? Because we saw before we start working on this approach that for the majority of matches, the ticket sale would start when we started to talk about the next match, which was seven days before. But at the same time, we could see when we asked the families then, when did they decide to come? They decided 65% was decided more than two weeks before. But we start to communicate about the match a week before. So we, we we don't have a chance to to talk to them. They actually, when when they see our, see our communication, they actually thinking about the next match or the match after, right? Not the match we're trying to communicate because we don't we don't we don't you can say have the right timing. So what we then decided to do is saying the A priorities, of course, season ticket, jersey launch, uh, the match against our main rivals, uh, a match where we can win the gold medals and stuff. We we're starting a month ahead. Even though we have, you could say, even though we might have uh, three, four, or five matches in between, we have agreed with the teams that we are not using the players to talk about any match that's not their next match because they need to be focused on the sport. So we are, of course, doing a lot of uh, advertising below the line, uh, contacting people directly, uh, doing different kind of highlights uh, in terms of what are the what are the matches uh, against this team normally. And then we, as an example, have spent the last year a lot of time actually making, uh, I'll say, in a friendly way, making fun of the city we're playing against. So we, we are the we are the capital. So we are FC Copenhagen. So at one match we uh, we are uh, we were having a uh, you can say uh, this this uh, city is famous for a uh, for a cider, and we took like a, a giant bottle of Carlsberg and and exploded a, a small bottle of this either and and have this whole like city rivalry that's just one example so did a campaign around that that this small danish city is coming to the capital and just getting the fans involved and the other part and what's very important is that a, a lot of clubs uh, as i see it they focus way too much on the loyal fans and and to be honest we did as well so we can see that we when we're getting into the data now we are we we can see that we are at the season ticket numbers. We're actually quite happy with, with the amounts we have, but we have quite few regulars and we have even a smaller number as one-time buyers. And when you go out to these areas, you need to look at what are the, what expectation will these people have when they come to the stadium? So we're working with a customer journey where you can see where the people are. Are they happy with the facilities, whatever, and what we then are doing is looking into how many are happy and if they're unhappy, how will that affect on the promoter score on are they willing to, are they, do they have the willingness to recommend this to other, other peoples? So, so we work with this in, in, in so many ways. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, that sounds really great. There's two, there's two things that, in that answer that I want to ask about. The first one is something that you brought up earlier and I meant to ask about it back then, which is like it sounds like you use a lot of different methods of advertising and a lot of different media to get your message out. 
And I was wondering kind of what are some of the tools that you use? Because everybody's familiar with, you know, email and Facebook and like some of the social media stuff and things like this. Um, and I think in the States, especially, we kind of, like you were saying with the free tickets and winning, um, we get kind of constrained by what we've always done. And so I think it would be helpful for a lot of people to hear exactly some of the met, you know, some of the tools and some of the, the uh, medias that you use as a way of getting your message out. Yeah, uh, I'll say first of first and foremost, we we are we're spending a lot of time in in simple data mining and a paper notebook and Excel. Uh, so a lot of this groundwork is 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 not a technical solution. It's basically an idea on paper which we can actually extract from numbers in Excel, and then we're testing. And if it's successful, then we're trying to make that into our data model. Uh, but but that's the first thing. We are. We are we are working quite a lot with a with a platform platform called CrowdTangle, which is owned by Facebook. It's uh, it's give you uh, the capability to uh, to compare on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on how you're doing to comparable assets. So I just uh, did an I did an uh, comparison if uh, FC Copenhagen was a team in MLS, uh, and in terms of engagement, we will be ranked as number three in MLS after LA Galaxy and Atlanta United. Uh, even though we are from a relatively small, I know MLS is, is not the strongest league in in the state as well. But 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 this is the thing, and in there you can you can actually look at at uh, what posts are overperforming from other assets. So compared to what LA Galaxy is doing normally, if they get an extremely large reach, what are they doing that is overperforming compared to the algorithm? And it's a good way to, to look at comparison uh, assets and look what are they doing that's actually working. Mm-hmm. So, so, so that's, a, that's a platform we, we're spending quite, quite a lot of time on. And then we are at the moment uh, changing to a, a marketing platform uh, called, uh, called Agilic. Uh, uh, but it's it's not up and running yet. Uh, but we have a, a lot of uh, a lot of expectation for that work. Uh, also, because that we are uh, starting to work a lot with triggers and if this then that and yeah. So uh, so these kind of things uh, that will actually be the, the the main platform besides what everybody else is using. Okay, no, that's that's interesting. Um, and then the second part of this that I wanted to ask about was that you you talked about direct content or direct contact, not content. What does direct contact look like from your point of view, right? Because in the States, a lot of time, the direct contact will take the phone, the, um, the shape of a phone call. <laughs> so yeah. a lot of cold calling in the States. Um, so when you say direct contact, I, I, uh, I was hoping you could define that for us. Yeah. Uh, in, in Denmark, the minimum wage is uh, 15 US dollars per hour. So mm-hmm. uh, I will not make a good business call of calling up people. I uh, I will be texting them, uh, of course, from a from a you can say from an automated uh, thing if it's necessary. If, for instance, when we're talking about season card renewal, but direct contact in in the case of this will will mainly be uh, text, uh, email, and some hyper segmented campaigns where people uh, where people. Uh, on Facebook will like when we're talking so small segments that is like maybe hundred people, uh, but it's not personalized, but, but we're still talking extremely small segments. And when you do like something that's like extremely highly segmented, like you said, like a hundred people or so, 
how difficult is it for you to target people that precisely? Uh, it's it's not difficult if it's uh, for instance uh, an example we were doing this uh, tonight is uh, we were talking with people who uh, we have a renewal deadline for the season tickets tomorrow so people who haven't opened the email yet for the renewal so they don't see our see our communication we will send them a text tonight and we'll do a, a segment on Facebook but of course we, we need to they, then they need to go on Facebook because otherwise they wouldn't see it. But 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 it's a way to to notch people on other platform when our main contact is mail and they don't answer the mail or open the mail. Right. So so we are, we have a situation where these people, if they don't react by tomorrow, then they are spot on this on the stadium that maybe have had for the last twenty years are free to sale. And then we need to if if this is a if this is a you can say if this is a they just forgotten then we end up handle, handling these in, in customer service anyway. Right. No, that makes sense. Um, and one one other thing that I think is interesting to me that I wanted to ask you about, because you have a season ticket deadline that's tomorrow, and we've talked a lot about uh, merchandising and developing things according to your market. Besides a season ticket product, you know, what are some of the other ways that people can either buy tickets besides either a season or a single ticket? Um, you know, do you have like a subscription model or a membership model or, you know, any kind of products like that that, that help you um, expand the reach of, your, of the football team to a larger audience? Yeah, we, uh, we launched actually precisely a year ago, we launched a, a subscription model uh, that you can say runs in the same way as, as your Netflix subscription. So it's not season by season. It's basically runs for the rest of your life until you unsubscribe. Uh, and over the over the first uh, first twelve months, we have had this. We have had a unsubscribe subscribe subscription rate on less than two percent. And and most of the unsubscription rate subscription are actually upgrading their product. So in, in this way, you can you can do like you can say the, the season ticket have different characteristics. The in-sale phase is relatively short, and you can mainly do campaigns uh, around that peri- uh, period of time. And each year, you need to start from zero. So this year, compared to last season, we have around 10,000 or 12,000 subscription, or you can say season ticket and subscriptions. But this year, instead of starting from zero, we're starting from 5,000. And it just gives us a complete different base to work out of. Right. Because half of our half of our uh, Let's just call them all uh, regular fans of, of season season ticket holders. They already signed up, and and the good thing about this is that we can actually work on campaigns all year round. The season tickets, it's it's uh, you you're working on campaign on specific time of year, but in this case, sometimes or maybe in February, you're sudden, suddenly ending up in a situation where you have three home matches in a row, and suddenly this is a perfect time for doing campaigns. Because then you can do campaign based on, hey, now it's a good time to buy a subscription. Exact the same way as they do on Netflix. Now we have this big premiere. Sign up for this phase uh, for this uh, this period. And and you when you when you when you sign up for the subscription, uh, you, you're 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 fixed. You're locked in in six months. But after that, you're free to go whenever you you want to do. And what and what is the value that is in the subscription? Because I know there's like a, the o- Oakland A's rolled out something that's probably sounds loosely similar, um, but but what does yours entail? Like what do you, what do you give people as an inducement to, to stay? Um, the the short answer is it's not much. 
they they are just happy that they are paying in this way. They are happy that they don't have the trouble to renew. They are happy that they can pay each month. Uh, so we we need to work on, on on how we can how we can build up the product and how we can add more into the product. But but so far they are really just happy that they don't have to do anything and it's just running every month. So so basically, they, it, the, your subscription is a season ticket and it's broken up, so they just pay it year round, right? So they always have a ticket to the game. Is that right? Yeah, but it's 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 a season ticket that will run for the next 20 years unless you stop it. Okay. So you so, make, it, make it a long-term commitment to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so no, so instead of instead of me, every season uh, starts from zero, they need to tell me I'm out of here. Yeah. And so far, less than 2% have done that. Right. And so it's an, op- and, and, it's an opt-out, not an opt-in. Okay. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the other part we, we're doing uh, this summer is that we are, we're seeing in, in some specific area of the stadium uh, – where a lot of the singing fans are that we are sold out. But at, at the December matches in, in, in snowy times in Denmark, we see a lot of no-shows on specific uh, groups. It's, for instance, the, the season ticket and the subscriptions. So what we're doing now to to try to support that is that we are adding a, a new subscription model where you, need to, where you need to choose your ticket at each match. So this means that in a match where I expect a no-show on, for instance, 20%, I can allow people to choose from their another subscription to choose this match in a theoretically sold out area, mm-hmm. but I can overbook it due to my expectation on the show on this specific match. But on the the gold match and the and the high intense match, then they need to be on another area of the stadium. So in that way, I have a sold out area where at some matches I expect high no show. But if I'm doing it in this way, I can make sure that the players are getting the best support because I have these specific stands at the stadium that will be packed even in in yeah yeah no really well in December. That makes sense. It's, so it's not it's not just a subscription like a one size fits all fee, which is sort of the way that like a lot of it works here. It's like you're buying a subscription in a specific section, right? So if I want to be always in the singing section, that may be yeah. a product that you offer, and so then. Yeah. It's a way like so if I'm in the upper deck, right, like I'm in the nosebleeds and that's where my subscription is. But like in December, you know that there's a hard time filling up the singing sections as an yeah. added member benefit. You can get, Dave, you want to sit in the supporter section this this match. And so that exactly. shows me the um, a little bit of additional value. So that, that totally makes sense. That's yeah. um, and, and, and that also means for the December match that I can actually sell the capacity 130 percent. Yeah. Because if you're if you're moving people down too, the thing is, is like, um, at least in my experience, it might not be in that exact section, but you you know the sections that are adjacent to it, you probably have room to put people there too. And we all know that spills over. That's it's totally fine. So it, everybody's great and, because if you had a bad seat and you get a good seat, nobody's complaining about that. At least not. No one's complaining. No. At least no, in no, my and experience. Then, and and that's the thing. So so it is it is very interesting, and it's also interesting because that 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 we actually just can use it in campaign all year round. And, and that's another thing where the season tickets is pretty much locked to the end of the season. Yeah. And, and so let me, how do I ask you this? Um, so with like, with these subscription pro- products and your season ticket products, you know, how, um, what's the usage rate? Is it, you know, is it fair, is it fairly high or is it like, yeah. Um, yeah. And if you can't give me the exact numbers, um, that's I understand. Um, you know, I'm just kind of, is there like, you know, you'd mentioned no shows, you know, or is it like something when you buy in, 
the likelihood that you're going to go to the match increases a, a lot. Yeah, it's. I'll say we are. I cannot give you the exact number, but of we, we are. But we are. It's it's depending quite a lot on weather, and yeah. and mm-hmm. the winter is cold in Denmark. So we have, and we're playing in December and February. So in these matches, if it's not like uh, an attractive opponent, then we will see, to be honest, two high numbers on on no show. Yeah. But on a uh, on on the last five matches on on the season, it was uh, more than. 90 around 95 percent show so so then okay. it's uh birthdays and weddings uh so so that's uh that's fine no but, that's but great we, 95 but, but but the average over season is not satis- satisfaction for us but that is mainly due to winter winter matches right and i was going to say if everybody's uh in denmark it's tough to uh, you can't really schedule around the weather because the whole country gets cold in the winter. <laughs> it's yeah, not like exactly. the states; like you can move, move stuff around. There's like a warm, you know. Some places are still warm. You can't. <laughs> Denmark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, but that's uh, and, and that's uh, yeah. That's it's it's easier to being good at marketing than changing the weather. So uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I haven't figured that out yet because if I do, I want to <laughs> definitely go into that business. <laughs> As opposed to I'm getting out of marketing, I'm moving into weather as soon as I can change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, moving into changing weathers. Exactly right. Instead of uh, the revenue architect, I'll just become God. <laughs> now, let me ask you one more thing about one more thing, thing because I thought this was interesting as well. Because this is a, again a trend that is starting to come take hold a lot of places. And you mentioned to me how over the next few months and years, you you're going to work to change the business model a little bit of FC Copenhagen. Um, where from one that's like a traditional sports team, how you might think of it that way, to more of a media company. And the first thing I want to ask you is, can you define for me what media company means from your perspective and from the club's perspective? Yeah, and and because when when we when we put it in that way, of course the fans will say, hey hey, I don't support a media, I support a football club. But putting it the other way, actually. What we are trying to say is that we are a content house. We're producing content. We're distributing content. And sometimes we do it via media, the television deal, and sometimes we do it ourselves. So we need to, to be able to, to find the right balance between delivering content to fans. They're waiting for this content. Right. And, we, we, and we're seeing great results. And, and what we're seeing is that a lot of the commercial content is actually very well received. So we just need to find out who are who are in the markets, so to say, for what kind of content mm-hmm. and, and how can we make it relevant based on, on data. Uh, so one example is that we, we, we did a campaign for, for Adidas, uh, our, our jersey sponsors, and, and we, are, we are smaller clubs, so Adidas don't do like a, a global or even a Nordic uh, launch of, of our shirt. But we went to Adidas and saying, can we, can we produce a video uh, ourselves uh, to, to do this? So we did a song. Uh, together with a Danish rapper uh, and Sony Music, and and then both making a music video four minutes and a campaign video on one minute. I, I can share the the video afterwards, uh, and and then we produce for Adidas and and ask Adidas, hey, can we can we use your trademark? Can we use do this and that? And they're saying, okay, this is this is very high quality. So they're coming to us and saying that right now we we can use the official Adidas trademark and we are so to say, approved to produce a campaign video for Adidas in Denmark. And, and now we've just done it again for Hugo Boss. 
So, so we are a relatively compared to the size of of, of most uh, most US clubs. We are a relatively small club, but right now we're producing content in high quality for Hugo Boss and Adidas globally, uh, and making quite a good business of that. And then, of course, we're trying to find out what are the relevant fans to what are the relevant fans to uh, to to distribute this video to. Right. Uh, so this is a new business model that we actually, you can say, I, I don't like the, the word selling target group, but it is what we're doing, but we're doing it based on relevance. Right. Because we don't succeed, succeed if we don't deliver content that people are waiting for anyway. Yeah. Well, you realize, and this is what it sounds like to me, because people ask me all the time, they go, well, what, you know, what do you do? And I go, I'm not being a smart ass when I say this to you. I'm telling you that my business is honestly being the marketing me right and so you're saying you're telling me that like even though it's football club the goal and the, and the really the value you create and your ability to be successful over the long term is built on your ability to market the club year-round it's not just mm. a six month for the football season it has to be a year-round property because there's so much number one football fans appetite for content is insatiable Right. Yeah. I can only speak for myself where it's like anything Tottenham Hotspur related. I'm reading constantly. Right. It doesn't matter when, when in the season it is or not. Um, and then reflecting the fact that knowing that I have to continue to communicate and reach out and connect with my fans because their attention um, is in demand by thousands of times a day. So I got to continue to stay top of mind with them that there's also value in that and that I can create something valuable for both my sponsors and my partners and my fans that doesn't have to be serious. It can be entertaining. It can be fun and it can still be relevant and help advance everybody's goals. Um, so it sounds like being very thoughtful about, um, you know, just delivering more value to your audience. Yep, you, you can say that. And, and part of our, our strategy, what, what we launched this January is also that it sounds very, uh, uh, very almost philosophical when I say that we want to be FC Copenhagen needs to lead the way, uh, play with the best in the world, and and use football for development of the city and create life quality for Copenhageners. Oh yeah, no, that's great. I, I will. Uh, and, I can't share this story with you online because it's, but I can share it with you offline. But I, I did something. There's something specifically like that I can share with you. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 the interesting part is that that suddenly because we're doing this, we. It's it's easy to say than do, mm-hmm. but but one small example uh, we had uh, two weeks ago is that after we won the championship, we're having this <laughs> humongous party, and of course there'll be, <laughs> be, be trash everywhere. And then we do one post on Facebook together with Carlsberg and saying, okay, uh, we had a party, we will have a party Saturday, but who will come Sunday and help us clean? Because we as a club, we want to leave the city nicer and cleaner than we compared to when we arrived and suddenly 100 people are showing up we're giving them a burger and they're having a good time but this is different people compared to the one partying yesterday but the story around us cleaning up after the party gets almost the same attention as the party and it gets more attention compared to a player launch the same day yeah so this is us taking a stand for we want to make an impression of a better life for copenhageners no, so of course, that's fantastic. We cannot, we cannot go to a heritage park and not leave it spotless afterwards. But it's fun that when you look at the data for this kind of stuff, it's complete different people compared to who's looking at the player stuff, compared to who's looking at the party stuff, compared to 
who's looking at the stuff that we are a responsible football club. So suddenly we are reaching out to another stratus of, of FC Copenhagen fans in, in Copenhagen or Denmark. Yeah, no, I mean, that's great. I mean, it, it is too, it's like some from time to time I get the accusation leveled at me that I can be a little bit too political. And part of it is my, as I have a philosophy that's very similar to the one you just talked about, which is that like if I am a business person, right, or if I'm a business, I need to be a part of my community. And I owe a, I have a responsibility to leave the, the, the community better than I found it, right? Because I'm only as strong as the community I exist in. And, that, and yeah. that's exactly what this means. And it, to me, it's good business, right? Because who wants to do business and live and work in a community that you aren't supporting and be, being a part of and committed to? Exactly. And and it's if it's good business now, this kind of business model will skyrise. It's sustainable. Yeah, exactly. Because people so have a better impression of you. They feel more close. They, they feel closer to you. They, they see their neighbors out taking care of the community, all because of something you did. I mean, it's just a great model. And it, and it feels good, right? I mean, you know, it's an intangible benefit, but it's also, it's just, it's, I mean, it's the right thing to do, but it's also good business. And and, and look at the par- the partners we in these three examples we're working with. It's Adidas, a global brand. It's Hugo Boss from the headquarter. And it's Carlsberg, of course, that's Danish as well. But this is three of our by far most, uh, you can say, exclusive or, or, or most well-known partners. Yeah. And these are the type of partners that are actually are willing to let us work as a media company. Yeah. It, when, when you did sponsorship 10 years ago, you, you talked with the head of sponsorship for any given uh, any given uh, company. Uh, five years ago, it turns out to be like head of marketing because now sponsorship is part of marketing in most companies. But my guess will be within a few years, it will be head of media. So if you don't know how to talk and sell your target group, if you don't know how to work with uh, – uh, this affinity compared to this affinity, yep. we know that when people visit this stadium, they have uh, three times, 300% more affinity on luxury watch compared to X, Y, Z. Yep. Then we are out of sponsorship business. Right. And you got to be able to paint that picture because I think that's something that often the people miss that all the time, right? It's It's not so much that you have the eyeballs. It's that your eyeballs are relevant, right? And the people, yeah. when, you're, when they're coming to you, they're engaged, and something like the party and then the after party you show to, it's tangible, intangible, it's emotional, it's all these great things that like any wise media buyer or marketer on the on the partner side would kill for, right? Because how mm-hmm. much uh, earned media are you achieving for that? And how much, you know, like positive media are you getting? And like now you now we've talked about it now for 10 minutes on this podcast, which like you can, you know, and it's like, it just keeps going and going and going. And it's just, you know, it's a really wise way to approach the business. No, and, and, and look at it. It's, it's scalable. So how many times can you sell a stadium name? One. How many times can you sell a good branding campaign to the right audience with maybe use of players and potentially some exclusivity mm-hmm. if the deal is large enough <laughs> to be honest you can sell it until you don't want to sell it anymore because yeah, right. as long as you create relevant content so when, when the sales team asked me jacob how often can carlsberg talk to the fans <laughs> every day if they're relevant every day i don't believe they can be yeah but, that's but tough theory, to do but you could yeah, do it yeah but then it's up to you as a sales team saying how much access will you give carlsberg if they can be relevant yeah but don't give them this kind of access, give them what they, what they of course have included in the partnership. 
and then find X, Y, Z, whatever partner who's, who see this as a media buy and who see this as a way to access a target group with a match to their affinity for products. Yeah. And uh, another thing I like about what you just said here was that there's also a responsibility that you're placing on your partners, right? You're like going, we can give you the access, but we're not going to give it to you if you're just going to lay out some, some garbage. You have to be relevant and you have to be like meaningful to the audience or you're going to waste our goodwill and you're going to waste yeah. your, your opportunity. And we're not going to allow you to do that. So we're going to protect that by making sure that it's relevant. And I think that's great because it's difficult to turn down money sometimes. Yeah. At there, there, of course, there will be a lot of a uh, lot of content that's also just fun, uh, but as but there should we, be. <laughs> I will not say every piece of content we produce is meaningful, but uh, but uh, but of course, you get the idea that this is also just a way of of you can say moving the company to try to to build a better Copenhagen. Yeah, no, that, I, I think that build a better Copenhagen as part of the mission of the club and the business. I think that's an awesome thing. I, I mean, I, I, that that makes me happy. So, um, call me call me what you will. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, but but you need, you need to put that into the consideration. But we're building a better Copenhagen. But on the other hand, we have a scalable business. On the yeah. other hand, every time I invest a dollar, I get between ten and sixteen back. Yeah, and not just not and, just a sustainable business, not just no. a uh, thing. The thing is a growing business, and so a business that is growing uh, at a tremendous clip. Which proves a point that when people say, "Oh, we can't do this, we can't do that," or doing it, or you know, we have to do things this way, I was like, "Going, no. If you stand by your principles, if you have a clear vision for who you are, you understand the value you create, you understand the people who want it, and you understand how to reach them, you can create tremendous value. You can make a lot of money. You can do it over and over and over again. It's sustainable. It's it's." fun it's fulfilling it's all these really positive things and um you know and i think it's just a great example and um and i i really hope um people take the, this conversation to heart yeah that's good but but just put put the story about building a better coping again compared to uh, to the more hard hard facts so we saw a, we saw a compared to last championship season a growth on 22 percent on season ticket a growth on 65 percent on single match ticket Combined, that's a growth on 40% tickets. We saw a growth on 46% on a Europe, European ticket campaign. And in the main test pay phase for the merchandise, we saw a growth on 44% in the web shop in November and December. Yeah, you know, let's so, take it back uh, to the hard so numbers. It, so. it, it, it's easy playing. Build yeah. a better Copenhagen when you when you get double digits in all your KPIs. Yes, right. I was going to say when you're like <laughs> almost at fifty percent of like your revenue increase, it's easy to be like totally like I love everybody. <laughs> Jacob, man, this has been awesome. How do people find you on the internet? Where do you want, or do you want them not to? Like sometimes I say I don't want to find me at all. No, Where can uh, they find they, you? They, yeah, they're welcome to track me down on uh, on either LinkedIn or, or Twitter. Okay. Uh, uh, my my Twitter account is 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 sometimes in Danish, but uh, but uh, always happy to catch up and uh, yeah, always happy to to share examples. Uh, yeah. I am I am definitely for sharing. Uh, I can always help by sharing a slide deck if if, if people wanted. Uh, I, I I feel this hospitality when I'm traveling, uh, if it's uh, China, Australia, or, or the US. So uh, so I'm always happy to help. Uh, quite basic, but but it. 
I'll try to try to do it anyway. No, that's great. And, and you know, the, uh, and I'm so glad you were able to take the time to do this. So thank you so much. There it is, my conversation with Jacob Lawson from FC Copenhagen. Um, tell me what you think. Send me an email. It's my name, Dave, at DaveWakeman.com. You can find out what I'm up to by visiting my website. It's www.davewakeman.com. The thing, the website's going to over uh, be getting a little bit of a refresh, I think, over the next couple of weeks and months. I'm going to add a shop and some calendar functions and everything else. To keep up to date immediately with me, you can visit me on the Twitter, at David Wakeman. If you do know the person who has that at Dave Wakeman Twitter handle, let me know. I really want it. Um, connect with me on LinkedIn. If you like what the, I'm doing with the podcast, if you found some value, I'd love it if you'd share it with just one person. If you're a longtime listener or a subscriber or a longtime listener and not a subscriber, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. If you're a subscriber or a listener or you just love it or hate it, I'd love it if you'd leave a review. We are on most of the major platforms, if not all of them now. Um, you can get us on iTunes. You can get us on Google Play. You can get us on Stitcher and SoundCloud, I think, and all of these places. And if you could leave a review, uh, suggest it to a friend, uh, subscribe, any of those things really help. And it makes sure that like, I continue to be able to get really great conversations like this one with Jacob, the one I did last week with Patrick Ryan, the one the week before that with Tony Knopp. Um, the feedback on those episodes has been tremendous. Uh, everybody seems to be learning a lot. I know that I am, uh, and it seems to be a great thing that we're doing here. So if you can subscribe, share the podcast with friends and colleagues and coworkers and people you think might learn something from this, um, that would help me tremendously. Um, and always, I want to encourage you to visit my friends at Booking Protect, the global leaders in refund protection. Any listing, any sector, anywhere, Booking Protect has you covered. But it's more important than that because Booking Protect is not just a vendor. They are a partner. And as partners, they deliver some of the greatest customer service in the world delivered digitally in a way that is unmatched by anybody else. They offer the most comprehensive refund protection product anywhere in the world, including um, things that are um, not covered by anyone else. It's, um, it helps give you and your customers a greater peace of mind. And it makes for you the process so much easier. Um, you find them by uh, visiting them at www.bookingprotect.com. And while you're there, make sure you check out the blog because there is a lot of content there now. There's a lot of new content coming. Um, we're going to really, really um, be driving some more interesting things that um, out through the Booking Protect website. Um, there's really an exciting announcement coming up in the next few days. Um, you're going to have a chance to see me and uh, Booking Protect CEO Simon Mab in some places you've never seen us before. And I think it's going to be very, very cool for people. So check them out, www.bookingprotect.com. And until I talk to you again, take it easy. Thank you for listening. And remember, share this thing with your friends and colleagues and coworkers. And thanks for being here. All right, take it easy. <laughs>